What is up, everyone? It is Quinn here, back with another set of my 2023 rookie rankings. So a few days ago, I went through my top eight running backs. Today, same style of video, but we're gonna be going through my top eight wide receivers. I think this wide receiver class is pretty interesting. You know, like certain years, we have really defined tiers. You know, maybe there's one consensus wide receiver one, then you kind of know which player is gonna be going two, three, four. And while there may be some, you know, consensus tiers this season, I do think there's a lot of flexibility, especially at the wide receiver one spot. I think, you know, you're seeing three different guys consistently be put there. And so there's not like a clear number one option, which I think, you know, makes ranking these guys very interesting. So just going to be talking through the top eight players. As always, this is very early on in the off season. I want to hear your guys' opinions. These are definitely not locked in. We still have the combine draft capital, all that sorts of stuff. So let me know what you guys think down below. If you enjoy, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. But let's jump into my wide receiver one. And personally, my number one is going to be Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State. I understand if you want to go with an Addison, a Johnston, I totally get it. For me, I'm going with Jackson Smith. And you know, the main reason for this is his dominant sophomore season. We saw this man go out there in 13 games, go for 1,606 receiving yards and nine touchdowns. And you know, the big kind of story around that season, obviously those numbers are low and are impressive, but he did that while sharing the field with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. We all know, you know, how well those dudes played as rookies. They both balled out. And so, you know, they weren't all sharing the field for those 13 games, but I've actually uh, separated into the 10 games that they have played together. If you guys are, uh, you know, watching on YouTube, you will see it on the screen. So they played 10 games together. We have Jackson Smith with 63 receptions, 986 receiving yards, and then five touchdowns. Garrett Wilson with one more reception at 64. Uh, a couple more yards at 988, and then uh, 12 touchdowns, and then Chris Olave, 58 receptions, 875 receiving yards, and 12 touchdowns. So Wilson and Olave firmly had uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba beat in the touchdown department, but in uh, receptions and receiving yards, uh, Smith and Jigba beat out Chris Olave in both those categories, and then Garrett Wilson, you know, one more catch, two more receiving yards. And so like, that's just great company to be in. You know, it's not every day where you get a prospect and you get to see them on the field with two other dudes that translated very well to the NFL, and he did it a year younger. Garrett Wilson was a junior, Chris Olave was a senior, Jackson Smith and Jigma was a sophomore, you know, keeping pace with those guys at Ohio State. The tough part here with Jackson Smith and Jigba and why he's not the consensus number one, because I bet if he just was like, I'm declaring for the draft, taking a 2022 off, I'm guessing he'd be locked in. The problem is his 2022 season was kind of a disaster. He was limited by injuries. Uh, he only appeared in three games, and in those three games, only caught five passes for 43 yards. So that's kind of the thing that's holding him back here is just, you know, he kind of had like a face planter 2022 season. In my opinion, I think I saw enough in the uh, 2021 season. We saw him compete with Garrett Wilson, compete with Chris Olave. I think he's a stud. He's going to be getting first round draft capital. So that is why I have him here at number one. Now, moving over to number two, this is where I have Jordan Addison out of USC. He was a dude who was productive in all three of his college seasons. He started off his freshman and sophomore season at Pitt as a freshman, played in 10 games, caught 60 passes for 606 receiving yards and four touchdowns. 
Then he really broke out as a sophomore with a monster sophomore season, played in 14 games, caught 100 passes for 1,593 receiving yards, and then 18 total touchdowns. And then kind of in a surprise move coming off that huge season, he transferred to USC, where as a junior, he played in 11 games, kind of regressed a little bit in the, uh, you know, counting stats, 59 receptions, 875 receiving yards and eight touchdowns, still a very, very strong season. Now, in terms of his play style, you know, he's not a super physically imposing wide receiver. He's a fantastic route runner, a very strong overall athlete. I think he's going to go somewhere in the first round whether it's you know top 10, mid, late round, whatever it is, I think he's going to be a first round pick. And I just think he's going to be a very, very solid NFL wide receiver and a very, very solid uh, fantasy option. Now, moving over to number three, I think this one may be a little bit controversial. I'm going to go with Zay Flowers from Boston College. He was a strong producer in his sophomore, junior, and senior seasons as a sophomore in 11 games, went for 892 receiving yards, 10 total touchdowns. Then as a junior in 12 games, caught 44 passes for 746 and then five touchdowns. And then his senior season, 12 games, 78 receptions, 1,077 receiving yards, and 12 touchdowns. So those are very strong numbers, you know, really nice sophomore season, junior year solid, numbers don't look crazy, but still a good year. And then obviously senior season was very strong, but they even, you know, look better when you look at his numbers in context with the offense, because Boston College is, you know, not one of these teams that has a, uh, you know, high powered offense. He had a a 27% target share in all three of those seasons. So sophomore, junior, senior, over a a 27% target share in all three of those. So he was commanding targets, you know, in his second, third, and fourth year in college. And then when we look at his junior and senior seasons, he accounted for over 35% of the team's receiving yards. So he really was the focal point of that offense. He was dominating the opportunities, the yardage. He's a dude who's super impressive after the catch. He has great awareness of the defenders around him. You know, there's a bunch of big plays he had where he's going up for the ball. He can kind of see a dude coming. He's able to manipulate his body to get some yak after it. He's not a big dude. Like maybe he's five foot 10, 180, but he's still someone who can go up there and, you know, make those contested catches. I think, you know, too regularly when we're looking at these prospects, we kind of just look at the height, the size, and we let that dictate how we think of the, you know, their play style. If you see a dude who's 6'4 in your head, you're probably going to think, you know, he's someone who's going to go down the field. He's going to go up. He's going to make those big plays. If you see a dude who's, you know, not even cracking 185 pounds, you probably don't think they're going to be going up for those. Zay Flowers definitely does have that ability. He's a very strong athlete. And he's someone who I think is kind of rising up draft boards. I know I saw a post recently about his, uh, you know, I think it's like his odds to be the first wide receiver picked. I think he's somewhere in like the plus 700, plus 750 range. So I'm not saying he's going to be the first dude off the board, but it's just good that he's kind of getting his name in there. It seems very likely that he's going to be a first round pick. So definitely someone to keep an eye on. Now at number four, I think this is someone, uh, you know, some people may think I have him a little bit too low. At number four, I have Quinton Johnston out of TCU. He's a pretty polarizing prospect overall. You know, I've seen some people who have him locked in at number one. Other people have him, you know, kind of in my range, wide receiver four, wide receiver five, somewhere in there. The clear, you know, kind of pro, the, uh, you know, real value here for Quinton Johnston is in his athleticism. As an athlete, 
The dude is, you know, top tier, probably 98, 99th percentile in terms of an athlete. He's six foot four, 200 pounds, so he has the huge frame. And, you know, going into the combine, I think he's going to dominate. So I'm ranking him here, expecting a dominant uh, combine performance. I feel like there are going to be a lot of people who, you know, they see the numbers and then they're going to skyrocket him up their rankings. I'm kind of putting him here at four, knowing he's going to, you know, blow it out of the water. So it's not something that's really going to change my rankings a ton. I feel like when we're looking at players in their range of outcomes, I feel like Johnston's is just so wide because with his physical tools, if he can put it all together, he's going to be a top tier NFL wide receiver. But I also think, you know, there's a way where this kind of plays out where he's a super athletic guy, but maybe it doesn't all come together and he's not, you know, a super great fantasy option. Even though he has those physical gifts, he doesn't really go out and maximize it. Like we look at his route tree, it's pretty limited. He's not really great on contested catches. That's kind of what I was getting into a little bit earlier, where he has that huge size. He can jump out of the gym, but he doesn't necessarily convert as well as you would like to see, you know, on those contested opportunities. And then kind of a problem that's been talked about a decent amount is he's a body catcher. So even though he's going to have a huge wingspan, he's super tall, you know, he's going to be able to kind of, you know, get open on his own and he has like physical advantages over the corners. He will let the ball get into him instead of going out there, you know, catching it out in front of him, which can then cause issues because he's not necessarily maximizing that athleticism. I think, you know, the saving grace here is that he's going to be a first round pick. He could be a top 10 guy. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, like I expect him to do, you know, just go into the combine and absolutely dominate. So the ceiling is high. He's just someone where I'm kind of up in the air on. Like if he went out and he ended up being a top 10 wide receiver, you know, throughout his career, you know, while he's playing, I wouldn't be shocked. And then if he's like the guy in the first round who busts and the other three, four guys who get picked do really well, I also wouldn't be surprised there. So we'll see, you know, how I kind of evolved there with Quinton Johnston. But now we're going to move over to number five. And this is where I have Josh Downs out of North Carolina. So as a freshman, Downs wasn't super involved, caught seven passes for 119 yards and three touchdowns. But he broke out as a sophomore with just a crazy season. In 13 games, he caught 101 passes for 1,335 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. That season, he had a 39% target share and 40% of the team's receiving yards. That is a crazy number. The dude was basically the entire offense. You know, when we're looking at their pass catchers, he obviously was playing with Sam Howell as his quarterback. So Sam Howell goes out, he gets drafted, and now he's dealing with a new quarterback. I believe it was uh, May. And Downs produced once again as a, a junior with a different quarterback. The numbers weren't quite as crazy as they were the year before, but I mean, 11 games, 94 receptions, 1,029 receiving yards, and 11 touchdowns. Still a very, very solid season. Downs isn't a super big dude, but he is another one of these smaller guys that's actually great going up, you know, to get those contested opportunities. He's also a yak monster. I think the interesting thing here with Josh Downs will be the draft capital. Even though I think, you know, he's kind of should be in the mix with some of these other dudes that are being talked about, you know, in the first round, it definitely doesn't seem like he's gotten that first round hype. I would assume he'd be going in the second round, but if he starts slipping, you know, late day two, then I think we have to get a little concerned. But right now, you know, I do view Josh Downs very highly out of North Carolina. Now, moving over to number six, this is kind of another tough player to evaluate here. I have Kayshawn Boutte out of LSU. Now, I always thought it was Boutte. And then, you know, when I was watching some of his highlights, we got some of the announcers calling him Booty. 
Uh, I don't know if it's Booty or Boutte. I'm gonna continue to call him Boutte out of respect because if I was, you know, had that name, I wouldn't really want people calling me Booty. So 4K Sean Boutte, he's a dude who had a very strange kind of run in college. He was a guy who really broke out as a freshman, caught 45 passes for 735 yards and five touchdowns. And then he had a shortened uh, sophomore season due to injury, but was still very impressive. He caught 38 passes for 509 yards and nine touchdowns, and that was in just six games. So heading into uh, the 2022 season, a lot of people viewed him as either like the wide receiver one or wide receiver two, probably the number two after Jackson Smith, but people were very, very high on him heading into the 2022 season. And then 2022 comes around, Overall, just a very big disappointment. He played in 11 games, you know, so he logged the game time, but he only caught 48 passes for 538 yards and only two touchdowns. It kind of seemed like the whole uh, Boutte Brian Kelly relationship was, you know, rocky throughout the entire thing, or at least it started out for Rocky. Uh, you know, Boutte missed some of the spring practices where he was hurt, you know, potentially miscommunication, whatever. And then after week one, where Boutte only had uh, two passes, or sorry, two receptions for 20 yards in a loss, then Boutte kind of, you know, uh, scrapped LSU off all of his social media, as we've seen uh, players do recently. And then he comes out, you know, I think towards the end of the season, says he's going to be returning to LSU. And then Brian Kelly has a weird press conference where it's like Boutte is not available today to uh, speak to the media. And then he ends up declaring for the draft. The whole season was, you know, kind of strange. And that's why he's a tough eval, because if you look at his early breakout age, the production, his freshman and sophomore year, if he continued that into 2022, he'd be the number one, number two guy in this class. But because he has the fall off, it's like, is the talent still there? Has he fallen off? Is he, you know, potentially someone you have to worry about off the field or maybe not getting along with coaches? There's just a lot of things that kind of go into it. So right now I have him at number six. I feel like I'm probably around consensus with Boutte, but that's where I'm going with right now. He's probably going to be a uh, late first round pick or, you know, go somewhere in the second round. Now at number seven, I have Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. And I think I'm probably going to be a little bit lower on Hyatt than consensus, but I think he's another very interesting player to break down because like I've talked about with some of these other dudes, a lot of these players broke out as either freshmen or uh, sophomores. So they had their big seasons either in year one or year two at their universities. The problem here with Jalen Hyatt, or maybe not a problem, it's not great, but the thing with Jalen Hyatt is he did very little his freshman and sophomore seasons. He didn't go uh, for over 300 yards in either of those. And typically that's not a great sign. You know, if you are truly a great wide receiver or gonna be a very good wide receiver at the next level, you want to have put up that strong production when you were younger going up against older players instead of being the older player, you know, kind of dominating against the younger guys, you know, but uh, it can kind of be excused away if you have great talent ahead of you. Like if you've got NFL stars who are drafted, you know, playing ahead of you as juniors and seniors, then it's understandable why you weren't really able to break out. So you look at that Tennessee team in 2021 when uh, Jalen Hyatt was a sophomore, the wide receiver one and wide receiver two on that team were Valus Jones and Cedric Tillman. It's kind of a weird competition to have in uh, college because we had Valus Jones in his uh, sixth college season, and then we had Cedric Tillman who was in his fourth, and he ended up returning this past year, but only played in six games. So when you're looking at Valus Jones as like the wide receiver one or two on that team, 
it doesn't seem great that Hyatt wasn't able to beat him out because even though Valus Jones was in his sixth season, we ended up seeing him in the NFL. Unfortunately, my Bears picked him in the uh, third round. I think pretty much everyone thought that was a weird pick at the time. He was not good. He struggled. Just doesn't really seem like it's going to come together there. So the fact that uh, Jalen Hyatt couldn't beat Valus Jones out may be a little bit concerning, but then Jalen Hyatt comes out as a junior and just puts up an absurd season. Caught 67 passes for 100, or sorry, 1,267 receiving yards and 15 touchdowns. So that was kind of the negative before. Now we get into the positive here, which was just the crazy junior year. If you want to see some uh, fun highlights, uh, Hyatt is definitely a dude to check out. It seemed like in almost every game, he like broke off like a 40 plus yard touchdown. Dude was a big play machine. He had a game against Alabama where he caught six passes for 207 yards and five touchdowns, just like torching one of the best defenses out there. And with that crazy season, even with limited production as a freshman and a sophomore, it seems like he's still probably lined up to be a uh, first round pick. And at the very latest, probably an early second. And then we're kind of getting into more of, you know, kind of murky water here in the fact that from what we saw out of him as a junior, like he dominated, we know that, but it was kind of, you know, in a one dimensional play style. He's a crazy fast wide receiver who was burning dudes down the field. Now there were plays here and there where he would, you know, break some tackles, take a screen to the house or run a quick slant and just beat everyone down the field. But we just didn't see a ton of versatility out of Jalen Hyatt. So, you know, does he have that in his repertoire and Tennessee just decided to use him like down the field? Will he be able to translate that at the next level? And will he be able to win consistently down the field at the next level going up against much faster, you know, obviously better cornerbacks? So there are some questions there. I think landing spot, typically, you know, you want to be drafting the best players available regardless of landing spot. But I think for Hyatt, landing spot could definitely be big. Like we could see him go to a team where he kind of just disappears, becomes one of these dudes who's a solid NFL wide receiver, maybe not great for fantasy because you don't want to trust him week to week. But if he goes to a team like the Bills, where you slot him into that like Gabe Davis role where uh, Davis played last year, and then we're seeing Josh Allen throw the ball like 60 yards down the field to this dude, like that could be a spot where Hyatt really does have a breakout. So that's why I have him here at number seven. We'll see if I kind of budge on that ranking. And then closing it out here at number eight, I do think this number eight spot, you know, could be up for grabs. I'm actually going to go with uh, Xavier Hutchinson here out of Iowa State. And honestly, he's someone who hasn't been getting a ton of attention, but you look at this dude's college production and it was fantastic. So he redshirted his freshman year, but then he went on his sophomore, junior, and senior seasons. He was uh, Iowa State's wide receiver one for all three of those. So even though he didn't play as like his freshman year, he still was great as a sophomore, you know, like on a competitive team. So he actually had a uh, 24% plus target share in 2020 and 2021. And then in 2022, as his senior year, he jumped to 34.1% target share and then had 37% of the team's receiving yards. So really just a dominant, you know, display. And in that 2022 season, he played 12 games, caught 107 passes for 1,171 receiving yards, and then six touchdowns. And he put up those numbers on a rough offense that had lost Brock Purdy and lost Brees Hall to the NFL. So they were not a good team and he was still able to produce. He's a guy who can play in the slot. He can also play out wide. He has a six foot three, 210 pound frame. And so you kind of hear that size. You're probably thinking he's you know, going up uh, down the field, making contested catches. 
And he can, you know, kind of make some of those tougher catches, but he's a dude who actually thrives in like the short to intermediate portions of the field. Personally, I don't really love going out there throwing out uh, player comps because I feel like we always see people, you know, shooting for these comps where, you know, they're throwing out a name where the dude's like at the peak. And, you know, I think it's kind of tough to put those expectations on a guy, but I'm going to do it for this one. And keep in mind, I'm not saying he's going to be as good as this guy, but the play style is very similar to Michael Thomas. Obviously, you know, I'm not saying he's going to get there. That's a very, very high bar. But play style wise, I do think the two are very similar. Really, the only issue here right now for uh, Hutchinson is he's just not getting a ton of that first round buzz. And I haven't even heard a ton of buzz about like second round. We don't want to see him, you know, fourth, fifth. That would definitely not be great. Hopefully, he's going somewhere in day two. Um, You know, like athletically, he's not a freak, but he's not one of these dudes who's like a poor athlete. So I am just a little bit surprised as to why we haven't heard more out of Xavier Hutchinson. But that is going to wrap it up for my top eight. Let's just run through the names again. So number one, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Two, Jordan Addison. Three, Zay Flowers. Four, Quentin Johnston. Five, Josh Downs. Six, Kayshawn Boutte. Seven, uh, Jalen Hyatt. And then number eight, Xavier Hutchinson. Let me know what you guys think down below in the comment section. I should be going through my quarterbacks. I think I'll do quarterbacks and tight ends together. We'll see. That'll probably be coming out on uh, Sunday. But thank you all for stopping by, and I will see you in the next one.